You are now listening to another episode of Grinding True Crime with your hosts, Todd Fox, Maddie Matt, and Gabby Gabby. Welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with the new narrator for today, Gabby Gabby, and our original narrator, Todd Fox. Hey, hey, we're going to do a little something different. This is the crew now. Sorry that we've been gone for a while. We had a lot of things going on. Our schedule was tied up, but that's another day for another story, another story for another day. I'm sorry, but uh, we're, we're back and we're ready to go. But before we get started, let's let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on uh, on Facebook, on Instagram. Look us up under Grinding True Crime Podcast. You can even listen listen to us on iHeartRadio and Podbean, Spotify, all those good things. Just look up look up Grinding True Crime Podcast. So, without all, with all that out the way, today we're going to do a little something different. We're going to do something different. We're going to have Gabby narrating a show, and this one might be a two-parter, possibly a three-parter. We don't Ooh. know, but but I know one thing. She's been cooking this up for about a couple of weeks now. She's been anxious to talk about this story. I don't even know what it's about. Todd, I know you're ready to hear it. So, Gabby, take the floor away, please. All right, guys. This one... I like the 1800s time, so this is an 1800s story, and it's around the time when Jane Austen lived. I love her stories. So this one, um, I originally had a different one, but I ran into this one, and it caught my attention. Her name is Amelia Elizabeth Hobley. She was born, I know her name already sounds creepy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) She was born 1836 in Pile Marsh, Bristol, UK. She was later known as the Reading Baby Farmer, or Mrs. Thomas. Okay. Okay. So Amelia was born the youngest of five children. She had three brothers, Thomas, James, and William, and one sister named Anne. She was the daughter of a shoemaker, Samuel Hobley, and Sarah Hobley. So this lady, when she was young, she loved literature and poetry. So that's why she caught my attention, because it reminded me of Jane Austen. 
Ah, interesting. So she okay. likes poetry, something I like. Okay. However, her childhood was not good. She practically did not have a childhood because her mother had a mental illness that was caused by typhus. You guys know what typhus is? Is that a typewriting disease no. or something? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind, typhus. Uh, is typhus... So typhus is yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Take again. Uh, uh, typhus, is that something related to the sea? No, it's uh, fevers. Got it. Okay. Why didn't they just... Okay. <laughs> We're talking about diseases, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she watched her mother. Um, She would have violent fits. She had to take care of her until her death in 1848. So at that point, Amelia was only 12 years old. So she had no childhood. Kind of like Michael Jackson. I guess True. I don't really know the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so from presencing her mother's illness and the effects that she learned, you know, the symptoms that those people exhibited, the ones that had mind problems. Mm -hmm. um, so her sister Sarah Ann died at age six in 1841. Well, that sucks. And her baby sister was also named after her. So they had another Sarah Ann what? and she died in 1845. So she was only a few months old. So both of her little sisters died. Jeez. Okay. After the mother's death, she went to live with her aunt in Bristol before she started um, having an apprenticeship with a corset maker. Okay. This lady is a killer? Yes. Oh, is, man. All right. Okay. The reason it's taking so long is because she has a lot of story to her. No, no. I'm not rushing. But no, no, no. I know. I'm just saying like, okay. about that, but. So her dad died in 1859. So at this point, she's 23 years old. Okay. And then one of her brothers, who inherited the family business, which was Thomas the eldest. Okay. He inherited the business. And then in 1861, at age 24, she became estranged with the other brother, James. From there, she never talked to him again. I, it doesn't say what happened there. And then she moved to lodgings in Trinity Street, Bristol. Talk I about bad who, family life at this point. Yeah, I have a <laughs> feeling who might be the first suspect. I mean, uh, first victim. <laughs> <laughs> no idea who the victim. Well, then out. I'm I'm just speculating. <laughs> but go ahead. I know Matt's just trying to think outside the box. He's gonna keep it. This family. one, this one got me, bro. I I don't know where to start with this. One. <laughs> yeah. So at that age, at age 24, she got married. So the man was George Thomas. This is why she was known as Mrs. Thomas. Okay, okay. I got that. How old do you think this man was? She was 24. So she's 24. This is the 1800s. I'm going to say he's 42. I'm going to say 52 because she's, she's looking for a breadwinner and someone that's already got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He was 59. Whoa. Not, not, <laughs> hey, that's so old for both, them times. Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they lied about their age on their marriage certificate to reduce the age gap. He wow. deducted 11 years, so that would make him 48 on paper. And Amelia added six years to hers, making her 30. Okay. So later on, that caused confusion to other people because that was really weird. I can see why. After she got married. Man. Um, okay, the story starts um, describing her as dire. You'll see why later, but... Right now, her last name is Thomas. Okay. So, 
I'll, I'll call her Dyer because that's from here on out, that's how she's known. So Dyer trained as a nurse. She had a, a contact named Ellen Dane, who was a midwife, and she taught her an easier way to make a living. Okay. So what she was going to do was she was going to provide lodging for young women who conceived illegitimately and mm. farm of babies. Oh. Do you guys know what farming babies was back then? Uh, no, but I'm going to guess that the mothers who didn't want their babies would just have them in an area where they can pick and choose, like, adoptive system. What do you think, Todd? I'm thinking along the lines of what Matt said, and, and but I think maybe it's um, uh, also like a um, how they how they start breastfeeding or they have to wing the babies off of them before they give them to somebody else, maybe. Okay, it involves both things, yes. So it's like foster care. Okay. Foster care leading into adoption. Okay. All right. I figured. So she started doing that, right? She started lodging the young girls, and then they would leave their babies for okay. adoption. But they would start letting the babies die out of neglect and malnutrition. What? Yes. So... Turn her Maybe staff. You guys are starting to get an idea of who the victim yeah, I'm starting are. to get an idea who the victim is. Yep. Was it her? Was it her and her staff, or just her in general? It was her and Ellen Dane, the one that was teaching her. Oh, okay. Wow. So, once the kids started dying, the babies, Ellen, she decamped to U.S. So she took off Dang. to escape attention from the police. Okay, she was smart. Yeah. So in those days. She was bringing up children who didn't have fathers, and, you know, moms were stigmatized over that, so they would remove them from financial obligation to the men. Through mm -hmm. 1834, the Poor Law Amendment, that allowed men to not have to claim their children, so they didn't even have to provide for them. What? Yeah. Wow. Is that law still? Uh no. No, nowadays, okay. no. <laughs> I'm about to say, I've never heard of that one. The law will chase you. <laughs> Oh boy. Talk about so that's what, Man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what led to baby farming, that which is the foster care now. Uh, okay. In return, they would get regular payments or one upfront fee from the mother of the babies. So it's pretty much like the mom's giving them up, but keep it a secret, right? Nobody ever knew that she had a kid, so she had to pay up to make sure the baby was taken care of. So it was like a storage home for babies. Yeah, pretty much. Clear her name <laughs> or whatever. I mean, like, I had a baby, you know, keep my secret. Here's the money. Take care of the child. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Every time you say baby farming, I'm picturing like cabbage back patch kid. <laughs> ah, baby Jesus. Their heads popping out of the dirt. <laughs> I know. It's a terrible way to describe it. Jesus. That's what they called it. <laughs> they had milk, right? Yeah, I'm quite sure all of them had it. You know? So the amount that this woman was getting paid. Okay, if the parents were well off, but they wanted to keep it a secret, right? They would pay a single fee, which was 80 pounds back then. How much do you think that was then in dollars? 80 pounds? 80 what, a thousand dollars? No, 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 that's too much. I'm going to say about $500. Okay, not, not far. Yeah, maybe 700, so? 700, something like that. I swear to God, if okay, you get it so, right. At that point, it was the equivalent of $355.20. Then. Uh, a month? You, you don't have to then. pay that? No, that was the upfront fee. Oh, God. That's a lot of money, though. 
Yeah, yeah, man. But most of them, you know, most of those women weren't rich. They didn't have much. So they would get charged five pounds, which would equal $22. Now we talk. So today, <laughs> those 80 pounds are worth <laughs> almost $6,800. Jeez. Yeah. Ooh, they was getting back. That's no, no, that's in pounds. In in dollars, it was eight thousand five hundred. God, no. So it's like if I had a baby legitimately and I wanted to take it to her, I would pay right now almost nine nine thousand dollars for her to take my child. What's the old phrase? It's cheaper to keep her. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, did, did so, they not have the black market back then? I mean, that would have been. Man. <laughs> I never heard of a farming baby farm. I hadn't heard of it before this either. Okay, so unscrupulous carers would starve the babies to save money and make their death faster. Oh, that's cold. So if a baby was too noisy, they would sedate them with alcohol or opiates. Oh, that's cold. Yeah. I didn't even know opioids was around back in the day. Yes. So there was an investigator. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's terrible. I know. It's like, even for grown-ups, and how are you going to be giving out the baby? Newborns. So, the investigator, Dr. Green, um, for the Privy Council, said that kept in state of continued narcotism will be thereby what's it? Sorry. Oh. Inclined for food and being perfectly nourished. That's how he would put on his reports. What? So they would die from severe malnutrition, but the coroner would record that it was a uh, debility from birth. Ah, uh, like a birth defect. Yeah, lack of breast milk or simply starvation. Was he on the payroll? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that at that point, they didn't really have proof that anything was going on. Oh. You know? They would true. just have to go. Yeah, that's and, true. And many babies that in those days wouldn't survive, so it was common to be called on to make a report that a baby died. Yeah, yeah that's true. They didn't have the stuff that we have. So mothers who wanted to check on their babies would have a difficult time doing that. They would, like, make excuses so they wouldn't know about their children because at that point their kids were dead and they didn't want to tell them that they were just making the money and killing the babies. Mm-hmm. But since they were abandoned and the ladies were too frightened to tell the police because, you know, obviously they looked like whores. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they would keep their mouth shut, even though they knew that something wrong was going on, you know, that she was like but I'm fishy. Com- but okay, not to cut it up, but I'm confused. This lady, Miss Thomas, mm-hmm. she was married by. She was married, so why would the baby be considered? No, they, everybody knew she had her business in baby farming and lodging. Oh, that's her business. That's her job. Oh, okay. But every time she would call the doctor or the officers to come report on a dead child, they would see her a little weird, but it wasn't like really known something's going on oh, okay. to get suspicious about got it, her. You know. Got it. But the moms, they didn't know who the moms were. Got it, got it. Got to keep them a secret. Got it. So even the police had trouble tracing any of the children that went missing. And once Amelia got pregnant, she gave birth to her daughter, Ellen Thomas, and she had to stop nursing. 
because she had a child. Then in 1869, her husband died, and now she was left with no income. Dang. So now she needed a way to make a living. Well, what's she going to do now? So she was making money again in baby farming and taking the pregnant girls. She was determined to make money somehow. So she set up an ad advertising to, to nurse and adopt a baby in return for a substantial one-off payment wow. and adequate clothing for the baby. So in the advertisement, she uh, and, and the interviews with the clients, she assured the clients that she was a respectable woman, married, and that she would provide a safe, loving home for the child. Oh, watch out now. Watch out. We got, we got an idea who the victim is. Oh, boy. So in 1872, she got married again. Okay. This was to William Dyer. This is why she is known as Dyer. He was a brewer's laborer. So she had kids with him, Marianne, known as Polly, and William Samuel. And eventually she left that husband. She decided to let the babies die of neglect and starvation again. Oh, and passed on to murdering them as <sighs> soon as she received them. What? So she pocketed most of the money and decided to forego the expense and inconvenience of letting them die as long as she kept the money and have no babies to take care of. Good. Wow. So for some time, she evaded the interest of the police. And eventually in 1879, after a doctor was suspicious about the number of children he had to go call, he had called on to certify the death in her care. She was finally called. Do you guys think she got convicted? Uh, the 1800s, death, babies dying early was common. I'm going to say no, she did not get convicted. I would think, or you would think, with that many children dying and her being a woman, not a man, <clears throat> she'd have a higher chance of getting hung. But I, mm -hmm. this doesn't seem like the end of the story, so I'm going to go with Matt and say no. Okay, no. So she did not get convicted of murder or manslaughter. She wow. was sentenced to six months hard labor for neglect. Ha! Oh what was hard labor? What was hard labor? Allegedly, <laughs> the experience almost destroyed her mentally. What experience? The hard labor or the, the hard labor? The being oh, sentenced. Oh God! What was she peeling potatoes? <laughs> six months. So, she had to clean poop. Yep. Oh my gosh. So after those six months, she was finally released and she attempted to resume the nursing career. But due to her alleged mental instability, she had mental spells in the hospitals. Mm -hmm. She was suicidal, but it always occurred coincidentally when it was co convenient for her to disappear, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So when she wanted to disappear, she would fake being mental. Mm. That's huh? former asylum nurse she knew how to ensure that she had a comfortable existence in an asylum as a mate inmate so she was a former asylum nurse herself so she knew the behaviors of mentally ill people and that's how she would behave to make sure she wouldn't go to prison mm. smart so they think that she was abusing alcohol and opiums early in her killing career. And still in 1890, she was still caring 
for an illegitimate baby of a governess. Do you guys know what a governess? It's a governess. Uh, freaking, uh, God. No. <laughs> it sounds familiar, but that's UK stuff and lingo. I'm a, I don't know. Pride and Prejudice. Okay, so back in those days, um, the mom would not be the one to school her children. She would not be the one to directly raise them, pretty much. The governess was like the nanny, the teacher, you know, everything. She would she would be the one raising the kids, pretty much. So so Dyer, not to interrupt, but Dyer was like the murderous uh, Mary Poppins then. Uh, yes, you know somewhat like that. <laughs> that imagine look at she comes in out of the sky with, in a, with an umbrella <laughs> knife in the other hand. <laughs> with a spoonful of blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so she was still doing that, and there was a governess that left her baby with her. Okay. She was suspicious of her, so she decided to go check on her baby. But when she stripped the baby, she noticed that the birthmark her child had on the hip was not on that baby. What? So she already had a sign of who her baby was, and the baby that she that Dyer claimed to be hers was not. The birthmark wasn't there. Wow. <laughs> so Dyer had, or faked, another breakdown. She drank two bottles of Laudanum, laudanum. I forgot how you pronounce it, but it's like a tincture of opium. It's equivalent to one percent morphine. <laughs> so she was trying to commit suicide, but she survived. Of course, because she already had a long time of abuse, and that made her have a tolerance to opium products. So she still returned to baby farming after this. Oh God! And murder. She realized that it was dangerous to involve doctors, so she started disposing of the bodies herself. But the police was still suspicious, and some parents wanted to reclaim their children, so she moved a lot. She kept moving from town to town, and she started using different um, names for herself Okay. in order to get new business. Are we good on time, guys? Or you guys want? Well, we still got about yeah. nine. All right. So in 1893, Dyer was discharged from her final committal at the Somerset and Bath Lunatic Asylum. Wow. Well, <laughs> Even the name. Bath Lunatic? <laughs> boy, oh, boy. <laughs> well, they're not, they're not trying to hide anything, are they? <laughs> <laughs> right? Come on down to Bath Lunatic. Boy, you got some crazies here. <laughs> so unlike her previous breakdowns, this one was the most disagreeable experience she ever had, and so she never intended to go back to another asylum. <laughs> Two sure. years later, she moved to Caversham, Berkshire, accompanied by an unsuspecting associate, Jane, Granny Smith. And her daughter and her son-in-law. This is Dyer's son-in-law and daughter, okay? Okay. It's Arthur, Palmer, and Polly. Followed by another, I think it was another, one more person. Mm -hmm. So they went to Reading Berkshire. Smith was persuaded to refer to Dyer as mother in front of innocent women 
handing over their children. So this is the unsuspecting associate of hers. Okay. She has no idea what she's in for. Jeez. Sure don't. So, finally, the first time the first time they notice her, January 1896, Evelina Marmon, 25-year-old barmaid, she gave birth to a daughter named Doris. So she put an ad, you know, to get an adoptive mom for the daughter so she could care for her while she worked. But this was not permanent. She intended to take care of her child. Okay. So later, she took the baby back. Oh, she intended to take the baby back. So a woman by the name Miss Harding replied to that ad. Tanya Harding? No, it was just Mrs. Harding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we're going there. <laughs> she said her and her husband were wanting to have a baby, a baby girl, and they had no children. Mm. Marmon was going to pay a weekly fee to have her looked after until, you know, she took her baby back. But Harding told her she wanted the fee up front. She only charged her. What do you guys think she charged her? Oh, 10 bucks. Or let's say 500 pounds, the equivalent of $10. I say 25 pounds because she's trying to get the, any kind of money she can. It was only 10 pounds. Wow. I was close. <laughs> and that was the upfront fee. She just wanted the baby 10 pounds. Okay. So she agreed. She paid her. And Mrs. Harding, of course, you guys know that's Dyer, told her she was moving and she would let her know what place she would be in so she could see her baby. Now I'm going to stop here so we can finish this up in the next episode. Well, okay. I want to know what happens next with Miss uh, Miss Harding over here. So don't lose your spot. <laughs> Miss changing her name every five years. Jeez. Man. She sounds very evil. She's, she's on to something. But I, I have a feeling it's going to get a lot worse. Her little, uh, her little spree of killing. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly going to calm down, I'm feeling. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. But uh, let's do a little continuation. Let's sign off right here. And then we'll come back and finish up the next part. So let's. End it right here and let you guys know where you can find us on our web, not website, on our Instagram and Facebook. Look us up on the Grinding True Crime podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes. Look us up on the Grinding True Crime and you can find us in previous episodes. So for Maddie Matt and Gabby Gabby and Todd Fox, we'll be right back. Hey. Hey, 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 we're back. This is the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gabby and our original narrator, Todd Fox. And we are here back to continue our part two of the story about this little lady who loved taking babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if you guys didn't hear the first part of our, our, our show, Gabby was narrating for the first time today. She's doing that, but she's going to continue on for part two. Listen, listen on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and iTunes to hear the uh, first part of the story. So now this is the continuation of part two 
and we are going to kick it off in three, two, one. Take it away, Gabby. Alrighty. So you guys remember so far, right? What this woman's about? Yes. You guys, tell me what you remember. She is a baby killer. Yeah, she's a baby farmer, and she takes uh, women's uh, babies for money and raises them, supposedly, but then uh, kills them in various ways using various things. Yes, sir. So, we left off with the Mormon girl. Mm -hmm. She was a barmaid, right? And mm -hmm. she had a baby. Now, this one did not intend to give her child up for adoption permanently. She just needed someone to care for her while she raised money and worked. Yes. So, Dyer, by the name of Mrs. Harding at that point, replied to the ad, right? And so she charged her, if you guys remember, only 10 pounds. 10 pounds. An upfront fee of 10 pounds. So it was no longer the great amount that she was normally going to make. That's a red flag right there. Yeah. So she wrote Marmon telling her that everything was well. And then when the mother of the baby replied, Dyer no longer answered the letter. Mm. She did not go to reading as she told the mom. She went to Wilston, London, where her 23-year-old daughter Polly was. Remember, she has a daughter oh, and a yeah, son-in-law. Right. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So as soon as she arrived, she quickly found some white edging tape and wound it twice around the baby's neck. What? She tied a knot and the baby died slowly. Oh. So she didn't end up killing the baby fast, which honestly for me, I would have preferred if she's going to kill a child, do it quick. Like, why are you going to make that baby suffer? That means, so that means she enjoyed that murder. Oh, yeah, she enjoyed it. Later on when they interviewed her, this is what she said. I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, but it was soon all over with them. Ooh. That was her. Wow. She liked watching the babies die. Wow. That's psychotic. I'm doing that. Yeah, she's psychotic. So, both women, her daughter and her, unwrapped, they wrapped the body in a napkin. They kept the clothes so that they could pawn the clothes. And then the following day, April 1st, 1896, another child named Harry Simmons arrived. So this was only one day after. One day after she killed. This one, yeah. After wow. she killed Marmon's daughter. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have any more tapes spare to make enough length to tie around the baby. So they took the length around Doris's corpse, they removed it, and then they used it to strangle the 13-month-old boy. What? 13-month-old. Oh, man, it's terrible. So he was already a year old, this poor child. So on April 2nd, both bodies were stacked into a carpet bag. If you don't know what that is, at that point, it's like a travel bag. You know, those handbags oh, okay. that look like luggage. Along with bricks, they added for weight, and then they headed to Reading. Then she forced the bag into the River Thames train railings. Wow. So they put him under the railings, and then on March 30th of 1896, 
A barge man retrieved a bag that contained the body of a baby girl. Later then, that baby was identified as Helena Fry. So this was another child. Oh, the another child. Detective Constable Anderson made a crucial breakthrough, though. What do you guys think happens? Uh, what did he find? She probably left. Well, they didn't have fingerprints back then, I'm assuming. So she probably left some. They didn't really have DNA either. Uh, man, Detective Todd, this is your expertise. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some sort of identifiable um, clothing or some some sort of name that they could trace back to her maybe That's maybe her a badge from maybe her badge from the farming place yes todd got it there was a piece son of a gun he found a label <laughs> from temple mead station in bristol okay and he used a microscopic analysis of the wrapping paper and deciphered faintly a legible name which was mrs thomas and it had her address Wow, oh. you stupid lady. Smart so that evidence was enough to know that it was her. But they still had no strong evidence to connect her legally. What? Yeah. So it was not enough. Are you serious? They surveilled her home and they decided to use a decoy. Another woman that was going to give up her baby, right? She was a decoy. Mm -hmm. As she waited for the lady, instead of her, the detectives showed up into her house. So they were struck when they walked in by the stench of human decomposition in her house. Mm. But they found no bodies. Wow. However... They did find white edging tape, telegrams regarding adoption announcements, pawn tickets for children's clothing, and the receipts for the advertisements and the letters from the mothers that were inquiring about their children. Wow. So police calculated that in those previous months, previous months, Mrs. Thomas was ready to move again, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And at this rate of murder, they, that led the investigators to estimate that she may have, over decades, killed over 400 babies and children, making her one of the most prolific. Hey. So finally, on April 4th, she was arrested. Finally? Finally. <laughs> she should have been arrested. I know. You would have thought she'd been convicted a long time ago. Dang. So wow. she was arrested and charged with murder. Her son-in-law was charged as an accessory. And during April, the Thames was, um, what do you call it, dredged? Like when they lift the, the rails? Six more bodies were discovered. Wow. Including Doris Marmon and Harry Simmons, the two kids that they killed with the same tape. Dang. So wow. she later told police that each baby was strangled with white tape, which is how you can tell it was mine. That's what she would tell them. It was one of mine. So she had so no she problem. Just, she was just... So no, later on, she had no problem admitting to it, and she confessed to how she liked watching the, watching the babies die. 
and how the white tape was a sign that pretty much any baby you found with the white tape around the neck, that was one of hers. So the game to her. To her, it was just a way of making money. She had like no feeling, no nothing about killing babies. She enjoyed watching it. Oh, wow. Did they ever find out what the smell was of decomposition in her room? Like, like did they, they, did they find body parts or anything? No, it was just the smell of her killing, 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 but there was no bodies there because she started getting rid of the babies by herself, so they were no longer in her house. Oh, but they were there long enough to create. Wow. So they were trying to start. Probably. I mean, you think of the 1800s, they probably didn't have all the tools to, I don't know, investigate thoroughly. True. That's true. For all they knew, they could have been under the floors or in the dirt under the house. I have, I mean, to have that smell, I would imagine there has to be bodies well, there has somewhere. to be bodies, yeah. Yeah. And then those houses back in those days, they had so many nooks, like a lot of areas that were like secret. So mm -hmm. who knows? Oof. So, you know, they were trying to convict her daughter as well because she helped her wrap the babies. But Dyer wrote a letter. She wrote a letter taking full responsibility on her own for everything she did. She explained how the devil got inside of her and all those horrific things she did that her son-in-law and her daughter had nothing to do with. It was all in her, on her own, out of her own initiative. And Arthur and Marianne were discharged at that point. Nah, they still got to face on. They, they still have their hands in there. So, May 22nd, 1896, she appeared and pled guilty to only one murder. What? Oh, <laughs> That's how twisted this lady is, okay? She only pled guilty to one. Which was Doris. What kind of brain she got, Todd? Uh, I don't know. I think right now she has the 1800s equivalent of Johnny Cochran if she's going to try to get away with this. Oh my goodness! What? Isn't that stupid? Okay, she buried both kids together, but she only pled guilty to Doris. What about Harry? Not guilty. Well, who did it? He buried himself. <laughs> yeah, he buried himself. This is this thing's gonna blow your mind. How long do you think it took the jury to convict her? Three days. Same day. They took four point five minutes. Oh wow. Wow. To find her guilty. 4.5 minutes? 4.5 So as soon as they sat down, all rise, the honorable judge, yim yam. <laughs> <laughs> they, they read off the, they read the verdicts and all that stuff. They didn't even go to the jury room. They just stood up and said, guilty, 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 yeah, guilty, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Four and a half minutes to find her guilty. Well, I'm quite sure she got the death penalty. So she spent three weeks in a condemned cell, and then she was subpoenaed to appear in Polly's trial for murder. So Polly ended up getting convicted. Polly is a her son her daughter. Our daughter, yeah. However, it was ruled that since Dyer had already been dead, since her sentence had been earlier, technically she was dead, so her evidence would be inadmissible in court. Wow. So Dyer could not be a part of her daughter's trial. Finally, she was hung 
on Wednesday, June 10th, 1896. Wow. Wow. How old was she? At that point, dang, she was born in 1836, so. Well, 60. 60, yeah. 60. Hanging a grandmother. <laughs> Did they You're hang too did they hang her with white tape or something to make it <laughs> <laughs> so they can identify her? Yeah. They should have, huh? Or a white <laughs> rope or something. That's terrible. That's. I think she still got off easy. Oh, yeah. Why you say I that? I have made her suffer. Just because, I mean, a hanging is one thing. I mean, I know sometimes they've hung people and it took in, it's taken like six minutes for the person's neck to break or for them to lose consciousness. But... um. I'm, I admit with her age, she probably died pretty quick. And for all the suffering she did to all those people that had the babies or just the babies in general, it's like that, that to me is too easy. So what would you have suggested, my friend Todd? Do something what they've done in India. I don't know if you've heard recently, but they, they just killed a pedophile over there. Um, they had him on a public display and they were whipping him, flogging him in front of everybody. They stabbed him a few times and then they hung him. Dang. Yeah. I would because it's it's pretty messed up. I mean, you kill people because you hate them or something they did to you. or I mean, if you're not that twisted, it's more of anger. But in this case, like innocent little newborn babies, like what did they do to you? They were born. They are your breadwinners because without them, you'd have nothing. Yeah. And I, I get that because, like – it's frustrating to me because you think of all the people that can't have babies even back then, you know, like, like medicine wasn't strong enough for most people to have kids. And yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a lot of, you know, in the inner city, they had a lot of issues because they had a lot of orphans. But if you take them into different cities and the outskirts, I'm pretty sure you could place most of those kids and still make your money to, right. to kill them. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. And to kill them like that, like, I'm with Gabby, like, if you're going to do something that twisted and wicked, just do it, eat, like, quick to make them suffer, see them. I mean, yeah, I know the problem, but still, that's no excuse. But that's the thing. Her mental problem was all pretend. Mm -hmm. Her mother had mental problems because of the fever she had. It wasn't something that came in that was hereditary. You know, it didn't come in their family. The mom had issues only because of that illness, the fever that caused her brain damage. So you think she faked her mental problem? Yeah. She was faking it because she was an asylum nurse, so she knew exactly how the behavior would be. For them to keep her in the asylum. Victims? There were only three. Elena Fry, age unknown. They thought she might have been one year old or younger. Dang, man. They don't even know what happened. All the other children, all the, how they imagined, they estimated it must have been like 400 kids. They have no idea who they were. Wow, because there's no paperwork, no paper trail. Yeah. No. And then the moms were not going to come forward and say, hey, I gave her a baby because... They were afraid. They were embarrassed to come forward. Yeah. They didn't want to ruin their reputation. Yeah. Jeez. Hey, man. 
So it was like almost. Yeah, a, I would have put it on both this way too, but I would have cut it to pieces. Alive. You would have covered her pieces. Alive. Limb by limb, huh? Yep, finger by finger, nail by nail, make her suffer. Dang. Yeah, yeah I'm with I'm with you, Todd. Hanging hanging was a little too quick for this one. Yeah, big time. I mean, that's that's shocking. I've never heard of this case of you know the baby killer like that. Four hundred estimated. I mean, geez, and she got off on those murders too. So that makes it even worse. Yeah. Freaking bastard! <laughs> so that's the story of Dyer. Wow, old Dyer. That's a hundred twenty-four-year-old case. Man, hey, kudos to that one police officer who 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 did good detective work for those times. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Because find her tag and uh, when they discovered the baby and found her name. So meticulous yeah. to make sure he got a name. So gotta give him credit. But it's, then, it but, sucks how late she got caught. Yeah, but then their uh, the, the, the error showed by not convicting her just by the smell of decomposed, you know, decomposed smell in the house. Like, come on, man, you gotta you one plus one don't equal you know zero. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So something right there should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, that I, I'm with Matt on that one. The detective did his due diligence because otherwise, you know, fast forward maybe 20, 30 years and they're going to take a pickaxe to that house and they're going to go through the nooks and crannies like Gabby said and find, find stuff, you know, probably buried in the insulation. Yeah, if they haven't already. Yeah. So, yikes. Yeah, when I started getting into the story, I saw that she was a baby killer. I was like, no way. I'm surprised like, you did this. This is story. my story. She is 1800s, Jane Austen era. And so far, I don't know. Have you? There have been no baby killers, huh? Um, that Todd have done? Yeah. Have you done a story about a baby killer, Todd? No, not a baby killer, no. Yeah, no. So this is the first one. And given my first narration, I figured it should be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you narrowed that. You did do a story about uh, where the guy from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was named after, after. He killed little kids, but not babies. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, so that was the closest we've done as far as, like, Little one, but this one take the cake. Scary. But at least she got executed, which was great. Yeah, I mean she got taken away from the earth, but like Todd said, that was not enough. I still think her daughter and son-in-law should have got some kind of conviction for it too. But you know, they were accomplices. So yeah, I oh mean, well. like Matt said, at least she got caught because there was one from that era. In uh, Wisconsin, of a lady that she would kill, um, she would take in elderly men, and like sort of like a, a bed and breakfast, or to to, to so that they can, I guess, uh, have places to stay. She would kill them one by one. She created a fire. Once that the police were um, onto her, they never found her body. So there's a lot of people that think that. She, yeah, a lot of people think that she escaped. So. At oh, least wow. they at least they caught this woman, but uh, that that woman Dang. 
Dang. We might have to do a story on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Dang. But this one, this one takes the cake right here. I mean, this one turned my stomach, man. <laughs> yeah, 400 kids. Ooh. Babies. 400 babies? I'm sorry, 400 babies. I just, Not even old enough to know it, they're on Earth. It takes a special type of psycho to kill a baby. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Because like Gabby said, what have they done to anybody? Exactly. Yeah, Except poop on their diapers, that's it. They haven't started living yet. No. It's they don't even have conscience of the world. That's what I'm saying. They, they didn't even realize, they, they don't even know they were alive and died. Yeah. That's crazy. They, That's like women to you. Crazy. They didn't even know they were bought and sold, you know? No, seriously. So if I ever see an ad of a farming baby system, never! <laughs> <laughs> we need to investigate. I said investigate. I'm saying YouTube, YouTube detective. Todd, I see an ad on farming. Like, Gabby and you guys can go check it out. <laughs> you know, dang well, you'll be the first one in line. I'm on it, Johnson. <laughs> Dude, me and, Gabby, me and Gabby would roll up in a Crown Vic with sunglasses. <laughs> My dad has one. We'll take this car. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy, man. <laughs> well, that has been our show. We did a two-parter for today. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. More to come with us three. You'll hear a lot more. We're gonna always rotate. We're gonna we're gonna go back to normal. How Todd narrated. Todd has one where he's itching to talk about sometimes more than the two parter, and he knows who I'm talking about. And he's man, I, I know he's licking his chops to talk about this guy. <laughs> but uh, we'll let you guys know who he is licking his chop for. In the future, but until then, let's let you guys know where, where you can find us. Listen to us on iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram. Look us up under Grinding True Crime Podcast. Also, look at our sister page, The Grinds. There, you'll see our podcast with me and Todd do, and it's pretty fun. You'll love it. But for those who love true crimes, keep on being loyal to us. So with that being said, this is your boy Maddie Matt, along with the narrator for today. And our original narrator, Todd Fox. That's right. We're signing off, y'all. Peace.